0: Hello and welcome to the latest Guildhall School podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Carlos Lopez-Real, saxophonist, composer and professor of jazz at the Guildhall School. On Thursday the 16th of May, Carlos will take to the stage with his quartet mandorla as part of our faculty artist series, which presents exclusive performances by senior Guildhall professors in the Music Hall. Carlos, welcome. You'll be performing with your quartet, Mandorla, and your programme draws upon a wide range of influences. Can you tell us a little bit more about the group and what audiences can expect to hear?
1: Sure. So the quartet is uh, myself on saxophone. I'll be playing alto saxophone. The piano player is John Turville. The bass player is Dave Mannington. And uh, the drummer is John Scott. I'm very happy to have these guys, you know, been able to get these guys together as a band, and uh, I'm very excited about it. So we're we're, we're doing a short tour this spring, uh, of which the Guildhall date is one of the dates that we're doing. The music itself is, uh, is quite varied, although we might market it as a jazz group in some sense, I often actually try and avoid the word jazz because it doesn't necessarily capture for a lot of people the kind of music that we play. And I think the same applies to a lot of contemporary jazz groups actually, that the, the music and the influences are so varied these days, drawing upon so many different other styles of music that it's very difficult to capture what the music is with any kind of term, I suppose. But certainly, the word jazz means so many different things to different people, and and you know, for for one person it could mean boaters and uh, Dixieland and so on. For somebody else, it could mean something completely free and for other people it could mean I know Kenny G and smooth jazz yeah. so, so it could mean all, all sorts of different things to different people so I often try and you know just simply direct people to the the website and listen to some musical clips and that's obviously the fastest way to, to get an idea of what the music's like so I, I, I draw in a range of different influences for the writing and and all the players they've, they've got a, a huge range of sort of musical backgrounds between them which is something that I I really love to draw on. So, John, the piano player, he originally studied uh, music at Cambridge and, and played a lot of classical music as well, so he draws on that quite a lot in his own improvising. Dave, the bass player, he's played with a huge variety of people um, from uh, Latin Americans to the Balkans, he was very into Eastern European folk music as well, and draws on that a lot. And John Scott, similarly, he, he, a very eclectic range of music that he plays. Um, in fact, uh, uh, one of the dates on my tour he can't do because he's off on tour with uh, Mulato Ostatke who's an Ethiopian uh, uh, musician. So quite a wide, wide variety of uh, of he's feeding in.
0: Yeah, and one of the works um, that you'll be performing on the day is a short suite that you've written, especially for the occasion. And um, Can you tell us a bit about the work and the process you go through when writing and rehearsing a new piece of music?
1: This particular uh, little suite is drawing on Benjamin Britten's third cello suite and it's based on four Russian folk melodies and so I revisited those original Russian um, folk melodies and I've written a, a this little set of three three pieces that sort of run together but quite influenced by what Britten did with those folk melodies. In general terms the way I, I go about composing uh, and, and also rehearsing the music it, it varies a lot from piece to piece so Uh, Some of the pieces in this set that we'll be playing, they started out as uh, little vocal improvisations, for example, because uh, two days a week I I look after the kids. And when I'm at home, obviously I'm mostly focused on the kids, but sometimes I'll have musical ideas pop into my head, and so I find one of the fastest ways is just to switch my mobile on voice memo and just sing something into it, even if it's 10-15 seconds or something. Other times, one of the pieces actually started out when I was uh, playing with my little girl, who's going to be two in a few weeks' time, and, uh, and we were both messing about at the piano, uh, and again, I just put the voice memo on, recorded it, and, uh, and then I'd go back over these little improvisations and transcribe some of the ideas that seem to have some yeah. potential. And uh, one of these days, I'll probably end up including the sample of, of Bella joining in as <laughs> well, for <laughs> um, it. But uh, so that that's that that's that's one one way to capture things on the fly. But in general, I suppose in in musical terms, I, I I I tend to to try to use different starting points. So sometimes I'll start melodically with some 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 kind of theme and work outwards from that. Other times it'll be much more about a groove. I might start with a bass line. I might start with. Uh, Um, some kind of rhythmic feel, or I might start with um, a particular overall form or structure in mind. And a lot of the time, because composition for me, just like with my playing and my improvising, is a constant learning experience for me. I do spend a lot of time playing around with other musical models. So, in, in Britain was a good example, I suppose. You know, but um, taking other other people's music um, that that I'm very inspired by, and and it's some piece that really really moves me, and looking at okay, well, you know, how does this? How why does this work? And and then I'll you know sometimes things will start out as exercises. I'll just you know write some things, trying to explore some of the same musical issues, and then it'll end up going in a completely different direction. So what sometimes started out as a as a musical exercise and just perhaps even pastiche, you know, perhaps I had originally had no intention of actually performing it publicly, then might take on a life of its own and become something that actually I was quite interested in in exploring. So that's, I guess, how I sort of start. But then what really key thing, I guess, is the input of the other musicians. So the music that I play, and whether we call it jazz or not, it's certainly got a very strong improvised element to it. So most of the, most of the pieces, although not all, will have... Some written material, some melodic, harmonic, rhythmic, you know, structures already in place. But then um, we improvise around those, uh, and so you know, probably ultimately, as ninety percent of the of the musical output that comes out on stage is improvising one way or another. So so, what and I uh, I'll bring sketches, uh, um, unfinished compositions to to a rehearsal, and then we just sort of workshop things, and, and I'll record the rehearsal. And, and see what the guys do, see and see what works, and then I'll I'll go back and I'll kind of recompose pieces based on on what seems to to be you know most suited to the rest of the band, you know. So I might have had a certain idea as to how I wanted a particular uh, you know uh, melody, or rhythm, or harmony, or you know, structurally something, but then what happened in in rehearsal and in improvising might have been a, a very different something that suited the players, and so then I'll try and work with that and perhaps. You know, often less is more. So, so often I'll end up just sort of cutting some things out, editing things. I used to write a bit more densely. These days, I'm I'm trying to write things which are a little bit more open, so that there's much more scope for the musicians themselves to the input. You get the best out of people as well if you allow them as much space as possible to work with the material. So it's trying to strike that balance, I guess. You know, between between the written material and the improvised, and and between. structure and form on the one hand, allowing the freedom on the other hand.
0: And um, just talking a bit about your own experience as a musician and on the teaching staff here at Guildhall, um, you joined the Guildhall School teaching staff in 2007, but before that you actually studied a postgraduate course here. Um, What was your student experience like here and has this had an impact on how you now work with and relate to the students?
1: Yes, it's it's definitely had an impact. My experience being a student here, being a postgraduate student, I, I, I did the, uh, the one-year jazz postgraduate course here. I had a fantastic time. You know, had a great time. It's a long time ago now. I won't say how many years ago, <laughs> but a long time. When I came, I think I was probably one of the least experienced players in my in, in my year group because I'd I'd previously done a, an academic, not even a music degree. i I did um, psychology and philosophy at Oxford, and and, and music was. A growing passion at the time. By the time I'd finished my undergraduate degree, um, I, d- I definitely got the bug, and, and so that's why I came here in the end. Some of those uh, musical relationships have, have stayed with me ever since. Actually, uh, you know, in a, lo- a large uh, number of the people that I play with these days it sort of stems back to those to those days. And I guess I was aware of that at the time that the um, you know the musical and social relationships you build while you're at college are, are very important and can potentially stay with you for many, many, many years, if not your whole life. In, in terms of how my experience as a student affects my, my teaching or how I relate to the students, maybe because I, I didn't have so much of a, of a specialist music background as some of my other contemporaries. Because of that, I suppose I've, I've always been really aware of the individual uh, needs of, 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 of all the students. Now everybody who comes here has got different experiences so as much as possible I'm trying to listen to what each individual student really needs um, whether it's in obviously that's, in some ways it's easier to do that in one-to-one lesson but but in class teaching as well um, that's one of the biggest challenges for me in, in group teaching is trying to devise ways of working that will be inclusive and sort of group activities but will also address each individual's um, sort of learning uh, requirements as well, uh, I, I like to work in a very sort of collaborative way as well. A large part of that again is just just simply having a lot of respect for the, the, the students and just really being open to, to what they have to say. A large part I think of, of studying somewhere like this is about how to develop your ability to study and your ability to teach yourself. So you know, in one way, one of my my goals as a teacher is is to get people to the point where they don't need me as a teacher, or perhaps they don't need anybody as a teacher, but that they can be their own, you know, their own guide, their own their own teacher. So, so yeah, so collaboration, respect, treating them as individuals, uh, kind of feeling like you're on a journey together. I I guess, you know, fellow travellers, and I feel that my students' growth is paralleled and mirrored by my own growth as a, as a teacher and a musician as well. So the two kind of the two sides of the same coin for me.
0: Okay. And talking about um, future development, you have a very busy recording and performance schedule in addition to your teaching commitments here. Do you think it's important to work as a performer as well as a professor, and does that bring with it challenges?
1: Yeah, I think it is important either to, to work currently as a performer or to have worked for some substantial period of time as a performer. I know there are there are teachers here who have had a, you know fairly lengthy performing career, um, and these days perhaps concentrate maybe almost exclusively on their teaching. I, 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 there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, I think I think you do need to have had the the performing experience, whether it's current or or in the past. The kind of things that the the students are trying to learn here, it's fairly difficult to to really facilitate that kind of learning uh, unless you've sort of been through it to a certain extent yourself. So given that that's the case, yes, it does present a lot of challenges, you know, I mean, there's the challenge of simply balancing playing and teaching.
0: Is there a sense that one always informs the other?
1: Each one informs the other, so you no know, one sort of takes real precedence, although I suppose at a different at different points in your career, you know, either one could be more, more the focus, you know. Certainly over the last, yeah, sort of two or three years, while well, I've had young children, I deliberately cut back on some of the performing I was doing, so I don't do. Uh, I used to do a lot of tours in Europe with certain bands, and um, I don't do really any of that now. Partly because you know I want to see the kids, uh, you know. So I've sort of re- deliberately restricted my playing to to things which are generally in this country or shorter trips. And it all impacts with your your sense of identity, you know, sense of professional identity. How do I see myself, and, and how do I refer to myself? Musician, teacher, um, both, etc., etc. You know, and I think in terms of how do the, the world is going to be for future generations of students when they you know as they leave here and, and, and go on and work, it's increasingly going to be like that, and, and more so as. The, the need for collaboration is, is increasingly more and more important for musicians and artists generally, I think. So people's professional identities are going to, I think, be m- much more complex.
0: And what advice would you give to musicians who are about to step into the professional wor- world for the first time?
1: Well, that, I guess that follows on nicely from what we were just talking about. I suppose the first thing I'd say is that it's, it's not just about the musical stuff. Obviously you have to take care of that. That's kind of a given in a way. Um, so I think a large part of what it's important to develop is really what you're actually wanting to to say as a, as, a, as a musician, you know you know what's your voice? what's your voice as a musician? what's your voice as an artist? what have you got to say? what are you trying to communicate? What are you trying to share? who are you trying to share it with? And I think part of that process is simply also about, actually living a bit you know um at having a life outside of music um so you've kind of actually got something to say <laughs> you because know, things it can just sort of implode uh, a little bit otherwise you know the, the, the world can become very very insular and you know very kind of niche so yeah go out and, and live a bit have something to say and and think hard about how you're going to share it and think hard about collaboration and how you're going to nurture uh, that aspect and so I suppose that's it's also about broadening your your contacts
0: um and a bit more about your role here and um, as well as leading the contemporary jazz course you coach small ensembles you give one-to-one lessons in improvisation harmony rhythm and composition to a wide range of instrumentalists and singers what do you get from your teaching here
1: I get a lot I feel I feel. Um, I mean, I felt very, very lucky to, you know, to, to be able to teach here. You know, it's um it's kind of a dream teaching job in in, in in certain ways. You know, working with people who are a incredibly enthusiastic on the whole about what they do, very very passionate, and uh, you know, be very very talented, and being surrounded by so many other amazing colleagues as well. That's it's a very inspirational place to be. So I I, I guess um through the process of actually of actually teaching, I get from anything, I get to refine my own thoughts about music. All the things which I'm I'm trying to share with the students, and I'm trying to open their eyes to. Every time I revisit a certain you know musical question, then you know I, I I've got a clearer idea, and it keeps changing. You know over time, every every time I, at least hopefully it does. You know I think if I if I kept sort of teaching and learning in exactly the same way year in year out, i I'd, I'd think something was definitely wrong and needed to change. But I, I, I learn directly with and from my students as well. So whether it's at the level of, you know, if we're improvising together and uh, one of my students plays, plays something and I'm just like, wow, oh, that's great. I've I, I never heard that. What's, what's going on here? Let's, let's look at that. you know And then I'll, maybe I'll come away with some new um, idea to explore for my own playing brilliant you know I I feel maybe I should be paying them for the lessons you know (laughs) Uh, and sometimes it's on a a subtler level I suppose it might be something to do with uh, their outlook or their attitude or um, something about perhaps the way they work with with other people or or sometimes it could be they're having a hard time with something you know whether it's musical or personal or a lot of the time especially in one-to-one teaching you, you act very much as a mentor apart from anything else and so I'll I'll learn that way and I'll have a certain degree of personal growth as well you know hopefully, and, and the idea that I'm somewhere contributing to nurturing the next generation of musicians and artists is very rewarding as well. Another very exciting thing about working with the students here is the possibility for the relationship to continue after they've left, and that's happened quite a few times actually. We're all part of the same musical community, we're just at sort of different stages, and we've just got different experiences and different number of the years behind us and so on rather than you know imagining it's some kind of arbitrary dividing line between you know, before and after you yeah. graduate and you're going to relate to the students differently before and after they graduate for me that's very false and I guess you know? that's
0: very similar to what you were saying about your own experience here that you've kept yeah. in touch with musicians yeah. and people that yeah. you were yeah. in touch with absolutely. as a student here
1: absolutely yeah that's right yeah
0: Thank you, and um, just finally, students at the Guildhall School get to see and take part in masterclasses and performances with quite a wide range of visiting musicians. But do you think they gain something particularly special from seeing their own professors perform?
1: I guess you'd have to ask them. <laughs> you know, I couldn't say for sure. But yes. yes, I think they do. I think they do enjoy seeing their teachers play. Um, in the jazz department, we generally do. An annual concert, where some of the teaching staff will play. We do it as part of the jazz festival, which happens at, at the end of the spring term, and that's 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 a lot of fun, I think, for, for the students. Hopefully, what they and the teachers who play have is a sense of that we're all in it together. Perhaps slightly breaking down the the boundaries and the barriers between teacher, student, and um, in this particular case, I guess you know I get a chance to present my particular. Um, project at the moment and you know this is my thing right now and I have an opportunity to share that.
0: Thank you. Um, earlier you mentioned that people can hear excerpts of music um, performed by your quartet Mandorla on the website. Could you just give us the website address for that? Uh,
1: Yeah, sure. It's my full name, Carlos Lopez and then the hyphen uh, real.co.uk. Um, although I have to say actually the clips which are up there uh, are from the first album and although some of the tunes from that album, we will be playing actually, and um, they'll sound a bit different because it's this sort of quartet version. But uh, probably three quarters of the music that we'll play at this concert will be brand new, and so it hasn't well hasn't even been played, let alone recorded yet. Yeah. <laughs> so, but we had the first gig on Wednesday. It will be uh, almost like an open rehearsal, first trying out some of these uh, some of these compositions.
0: Well thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us Carlos and we look forward to your Faculty Artist Recital on Thursday the 16th of May. Tickets are on sale now from the Barbican box office. Thank you, it's
1: been a pleasure.
0: Thank you.